Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Fertility Podcast. It's part of my alternative parenting series. I'm Natalie Silverman, your host. How are you doing then? It's a new month, March 2019. Gosh, it's like you kind of stumble through January, don't you? And then February, well, you're like, oh, January's out of the way. And we had really good weather here in the UK. So everybody got really excited. And I know you've probably heard a lot of us talking about the weather, but it was a big deal. And then March just suddenly happens. It's cold today. And we're all a bit like, what? I thought it was nice weather. Anyway, um, a lot going on in my little world. Last week, I did a photo shoot for Grazia, which I'm really excited to sharing with you. I spoke to them about infertility in the workplace and my experiences of it. And I'd be really keen to know what you're experiencing at the moment. Are you in work? Have you told work that there's something going on that you're gonna need to have some time out for treatment? Don't you tell work? Have you discovered that there's a brilliant support policy in place? I've just shared a bonus episode with the Fertility Show, which is the UK event happening later this month in March. And one of the areas that we talked about in that episode was the importance of support in work. It's a session we're going to be doing at the show. And I want to know what's going on with you. So contact me on my socials at Fertility Poddy on Twitter or Instagram, or you can uh, just DM me on either of those. The Facebook page is The Fertility Podcast, or if you prefer to email me, it's natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. And I'll tell you where my Grazia uh, shoot is out. So with my little boy, Phoenix, who was um, relatively well behaved. The photographer was trying his best to entertain Phoenix. I did share a little bit on my Insta stories um, and I will share the episode once I have it. Phoenix is going to be four next week. I can't believe he's already four. Um, And something else that happened this week for me was I had my first session of implications counselling. It's something that I spoke about in my final episode of 2018 that we have frozen embryos and I've been struggling to deal with what we're going to do with them. And I've also been putting off having this counselling session and it was challenging. It really was talking about what it will mean to potentially donate these embryos to science because in all honesty we are thinking that we're going to stay with our family as it is. To be honest, a lot more conversations need to be had. How much of that I share with you, we'll have to um, see. But um, one thing that was very apparent was I'm really uh, worried about having a cycle and it failing. And I've got a lot of self-protection going on. And I've been talking more about that in some interesting conversations this week with a couple of other ladies with frozen embryos. One has a child, one doesn't. And it really is a limbo period when you've got those frosties because you've got that hope, but you've also got that absolute fear and that need to self-protect. So if that is where you're at, then I hear you. Happy to talk more about it. You can always contact me, as you know. If this is your first listen to the Fertility Podcast and you come into this alternative parenting series because you're looking at a different way to make your family, then please do have a look at thefertilitypodcast.com. There's a search box and you can just type in a subject that you want to know more about and hopefully there's an episode there because I've got over 170 episodes now. I've been making this podcast for over four years. So I hope you find something of use to you. And before we have this next episode, which is a look at 
a global egg bank and a lady called Robin Newman who set it up. She explains all about how she helps people internationally. I also got to speak to Rachel, one of her donors who'd come from South Africa to America to donate. That was a really interesting insight. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you details of another egg donor related episode that I'm sharing with you on Wednesday this week that I've created with Altrui, who are a British based egg donation organization. But before we do that, two things. One, if you get a chance to uh, rate and review this podcast episode, I would love you even more than I already do. Five stars would be amazing. I was looking back at my um, reviews and you've been so generous. It's lovely getting five stars. I never got them at school. So, you know, all you need to do is just go into your favourite podcast app and hit that little review bit and uh, job done. And you've done a good deed. I'd, I'd love you very much for that. No pressure at all. Uh, I also want to tell you about my new sponsors. You're going to hear about one of the new ones in a moment. My sponsors are what makes this podcast happen. I couldn't do it without them. I'd love to make so much more content and it is a constant case of finding people who are invested in what I'm doing. So you'll hear a bit about them and then we'll crack on with today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by International Andrology, who specialise in diagnosing and treating male infertility. Around 50% of infertility issues are male factor, and all too often, men aren't even evaluated at the start of a fertility journey, which might result in unnecessary treatments, costs, and disappointment. International Andrology is one of the few specialist clinics in the UK, offering a holistic approach to increase your chances to conceive naturally or via the IVF route. As well as treating the underlying causes of male infertility, their doctors have some of the highest success rates in microsurgical sperm retrieval. So, if you're looking for a true specialist to assist you on your fertility journey, visit london-andrology.co.uk today and do mention the Fertility Podcast. A virtual clinic of a new kind. Apricity offers first-class fertility care, as unique as you. Get support from your Apricity advisor seven days a week. Stay in the know with the app's guidance and reminders. Customise your journey at no extra cost. Apricity is fertility care your way. Find out more at apricity.life forward slash podcast. So I'm delighted to welcome Robin Newman, founder of Global Egg Donors to the podcast, to talk about her journey and what she does now working globally with egg donors as the as the organization's name suggests to explain how it works and who she works with so robin welcome to the podcast thank you natalie now you share your uh, infertility story on your website in such a like an amazingly honest way and i'm always kind of flabbergasted at how open we are when we share on this journey I'm in this space trying to help spread the word with my podcast and I keep meeting different people who have had their own infertility story and then have then found themselves working in this space to help others and your journey was pretty lengthy do you want to explain how you got to where you are with your work from your own experience yeah thank you and I'll try not to make it too lengthy (laughs) I have uh, unexplained infertility And my husband and I wanted five children. That was really a goal of us getting married. And after 17 years spending every penny we had on different infertility treatments, I was labeled idiopathic infertility because every test came back as everything perfect, but I never got pregnant. And I've never heard that So there was no end. 
It's not a fun one. But, you know, I didn't have the great pain of miscarriage, but every single month was like another heartbreak when my menstrual cycle came. Uh, so we, at this financial and emotional stress ended our marriage. So I um, didn't know what to do with myself at age 43, I think. And I, so I, I lost my home in the divorce. My job ended for other reasons. Didn't have a husband, wasn't going to be a mom. So I left the country because I had to reinvent Robin. And eight months later, I went to um, South Africa because people told me it was a lovely place, and it is. It reminds me so much of my home in Santa Barbara. But I stopped there, and lo and behold, after a few more months, definitely, the medical society there is phenomenal, and the prices were excellent. And eventually, I came on to the idea of egg donation. We became the first egg donor program in all of South Africa. This was 17 years ago and worked there exclusively for six years. And then I really wanted to come home to Santa Barbara. So I figured out how to do this globally. And now our donors come from at least 32 countries and the different people we help come from at least that many. And we now will work with their clinic or we have clinics that we recommend. We have a small handful of clinics we use regularly. Because the more I learn about egg donation, the more, I suppose, eye-opening it is for me to see what is available, what can be done, what regulations there are in certain countries, how different different countries are, and how if you are in a place where you are looking for an egg donor, you really need to look at the global picture, don't you? That's very true, and, and you're totally right. In one country, they want it completely anonymous. You can't know who the donor is other than hair color and skin color. And then you take another country and you have to go into counseling with your donor before it's allowed. So what's nice is because I'm an American, we're registered in America, basically anything goes. So if we're in Australia, which we've just become the first donor program in Australia this year, we comply 100% with the way they need to do things. When we were in South Africa, we weren't allowed to show the adult pictures or connect the donor in any way. So we complied with their um, regulations. So we really are um, able to be that flexible no matter where we go with these donors. And we're talking as part of the alternative parenting series that I've put together. And I'm interested in just getting a picture from you about the different types of clients that you you help become parents well it's becoming very surprising to me still and I'll give you a few examples uh, certainly we help gays and lesbians people that need surrogates we keep close track on which countries and where is friendly towards that combination single parents of course um, what's surprised me in the last few years is uh, single women coming to me that are using their an egg donor because they're in their 40s their egg doesn't work anymore so they take an egg from one of our donors and the sperm donor is their brother now what? this is completely healthy this is completely healthy they've got an egg donor so they're using the brother's sperm so and it's genetically the linked. egg donor yes 
So it's genetically linked back to the sister, if you follow all of this. So it's a single woman using her brother's sperm and an egg donor, and she gives birth. So she's still got that genetic link, and uh, this has happened in a few Chinese families, and recently one in the UK. Wow. It, I think it's phenomenal, especially when I see a picture of that brother and I see the donor they chose, and I went, wow, how gorgeous is that? Ah. And then another few things that have happened recently, um, not exactly, a little bit off, um, but the um, couples have come to me that maybe they have had one egg donor and she's given them enough embryos for all the children they want. And so they come to me and they say, you know, we're not quite ready to just have these embryos destroyed, but we don't want to pay storage on them any longer. Mm. Would our donor like them back? So okay. twice I have approached the donors who are now in their late 30s. They haven't found a partner yet, and they've taken over storage of the embryos just in case they need them. So that would have been using the, if it was a couple, the intended father's sperm with the egg donor's egg. Correct. In one case, it was a single woman who used a sperm donor, so she had a full profile to send them. And the other one, they sent pictures of the husband and genetic history. It's it's fantastic when it becomes that open. I mean, it's like, well, why not? It's just surprises me, though. It takes me aback at first until I get my head around it. And then I go, why not? Well, one of the things that I've learned in the four and a half years of being in this space is how far people are willing to go to help people become parents and ultimately mm -hmm. achieve the goal that we all want. Mm -hmm. And especially when you've dealt with infertility and you get how emotional it is, then the 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 gestures people do are, I shouldn't be surprised because it, it just never stops the lengths that people go to. I've spoken with surrogates about you know, their decision to be surrogates. And the more I learn about donors as well, I mean, it is just phenomenal. And what you've just described is like another dimension of people kind of passing yes. back the goodwill. So it's a, this yes. is, it really is the circle of life almost, isn't it? It's the gift of life. The circle of life is a beautiful expression. And what we love to do uh, in our Global Egg Donor Program is we like to make human connections. We don't want a donor to just go to the clinic and give her eggs up in this very clinical doctor setting and not know a thing about it. We uh, want to honor her. So I have the couples write a letter explaining where they live, why they need an egg donor, maybe something about their nieces and nephews or what their hobbies are, but it's non-identifying. The donor can't then go look them up. She doesn't know their full name. And then I send that letter to the donor when they want her to donate. So she gets to know something about this couple she's donating to. And then throughout the procedure, we may say, hey, she's about to start injecting herself with these hormones. Please send her a letter of encouragement, which they do. And then they'll usually send her pictures of the baby as they get comfortable. Not everybody does, but it's gone as far as a donor then going and meeting these babies at some point in her life. It's Or the donor has a baby and sends pictures to the couples. And it's usually wow. done through the protection of global egg donors, so it's anonymous still, until everybody wants to, and if they want to. And then if that's so, we facilitate their wishes and put them in contact. Even couples that have half siblings, 
they'll write me and they'll say, hey, you told me that a couple in Jamaica had a child using our same egg donor. Can we connect? And they will start a communication if everyone's wow. comfortable. Gosh. Yes, we've it's had really Australians. It's a global family. Yeah, it's, it's a huge global family. Now you've got with you Rachel, who is one of your egg donors, who you sent me Rachel's profile. And from my point of view, it was really interesting to get to see what was in that profile because having not gone down this route, it's not something that I would have ever um, had access to. And it was for the purpose of us having this conversation. I know you wouldn't have just sent it uh, willy-nilly just to make that clear to anybody listening. So Rachel, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Natalie. Nice to meet you. And you. Nice to meet you in this audio world. <laughs> And I'm looking, I'm looking at your profile, I'm looking at pictures of you, Rachel. I mean, absolutely. I know you've done modelling work. Absolutely gorgeous pictures. Thank you. And I'd you. love to just talk a bit about your your motivation around this and how you feel about it. And and I was quite interested to to read that you were adopted as well in this kind of alternative parenting kind of idea that I'm I'm talking about what made you decide to do it well um, being adopted I definitely saw the difference that I made in my mom's life especially and it got me thinking a lot about people that do not have um, the means to have their own families and I thought it would be a great service to the community if I could just if I'm healthy enough that being said just help other people like fulfill their dreams of becoming a family and I know that it makes a really big difference in some people's lives. So you've traveled from South Africa to the US and mm. is this your first phase of, of donating? No this is actually my third donation so I did my first one in South Africa and then I had my second donation in Australia and this is my third one in California. Robin, do you want to explain about the logistics? Yeah, certainly. An Australian couple approached me and described the type of donor they were looking for. So I sent them a variety of profiles that I thought would suit them and they chose Rachel. So then it took another almost three months. We sent their letter to Rachel. She thought this is exactly the kind of couple I'd love to assist. And then we, the doctor in California approved all of Rachel's tests that she had to go through. And it took about three months to get her on, and on birth control pills and get all the hormones to her and a whole series of <laughs> tests you had to go through. And then finally she arrived last week. The husband of the Australian couple flew in for the sperm donation. Now the embryos were made and grown, um, gosh, till day five, at which point they're frozen. Now the wife is uh, has a very high powered job, so she's not going to be able to get free to come over until January to take the transfer of embryos. Wow! And so, Rachel, after this visit, you go back to your life. Do you think much about what you've just done? I mean, obviously, you're involved with Robin. How much do you want to be a part of what happens next? Well, with my previous donation, I am quite involved. I did get pictures, a beautiful baby girl. Uh, I get to see her grow up and it's fantastic. I enjoy being part of it. It makes me feel part of a bigger family and it really makes, it reminds me of the great service that I'm doing to these people and how I'm actually blessing them with this little bundle of joy. I mean, I, I think it's amazing and especially when being in the UK and there's such different rules about 
what you get to know about a donor and I know that that's why people go abroad I just think it's amazing these relationships that you have Robin what do you think about the different rules and and regulations around the world take the UK for example well it's really interesting to me because the rules are behind the times in almost every country we deal with I'll go into a clinic and they'll say, oh, we hate to keep the donor and the couple apart if they want to meet. The rules really, really are behind the times. But then I want to facilitate whatever couples are comfortable with Mm -hmm. because not everybody is ready to meet, especially it's such an emotional journey that they will say, no, 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 they don't want any more connection. But once that baby is born, it changes everything. And sometimes I get letters Here's pictures of my four-year-old. We're just now thinking of our donor again and realize we have never made contact since the birth to thank her. So everyone's at their own evolution in um, their comfort level and what they believe in and how they want to move forward. But it grows more open. It doesn't become more closed. That's the beautiful part. But what about just playing devil's advocate if one party doesn't Mm -hmm. want to communicate with the other and the other does? Do you then act as an intermediate in a kind of counselling way to to manage the expectations of that person that wants to be more involved if the other doesn't? Well, there's very, very few egg donors that don't. I would say less than 5% of our donors don't want some involvement. But when they sign up with our program, they understand it is anonymous and they shouldn't have any expectations. They may never hear from the couple again, but we will let them know if it was a successful birth. And we also let them know it may change. These couples may get, or single people may get more comfortable and want to involve them more. Everyone involved gets a say in it and everyone has to agree before we take the next step but that's what's so beautiful over the years it's growing wider and wider more open it's it's really encouraging i'm so proud of the human race (laughs) we are definitely becoming more open to just thinking outside what a a, a normal family might look like and 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 now considering the modern family which is why we're talking what about Mm -hmm. though I mean there's lots of pictures of Rachel here and I was having a conversation with somebody and they were saying about how you can put a picture that you might have got into Google and you could identify the person I mean I don't quite understand how that works but is that something that can be done you know I was just speaking with Rachel about that this morning about eight years ago that did happen and so we pulled it down and and were able to somehow block that person I don't remember how it all came about but it's happened once and I don't know if this guy was just really, really, really persistent or what, but it hasn't happened since. Okay. So, yes, that is a risk, but it's a low risk. So let's just go back to some of the regulations about all of this. If, for example, we talk about a country that has different rules on egg donors and a a single person or a couple want to come and work with you and then there might be an issue bringing that child back if they have a successful pregnancy um, maybe using a donor maybe using a donor and a surrogate let's let's add all the all the different components into the mix then there's Mm -hmm. an issue coming back into the country as far as do you offer assistance there or have you come across that kind of difficulty they use an egg donor and and return home pregnant in there with uh, carrying their own child, there is absolutely no issue at all. You don't have to tell people where you got your pregnancy from. But yeah. as far as a surrogate born child in a foreign country, 
we research this thoroughly and we will not get involved in a country where it's questionable. We have never been involved in some of these cases where the couple is stuck for several months trying to get their baby home. No, surrogacy is very, very tricky. That's become more closed around the world. So let's talk about the countries that your donors are available from. You've got many ethnic backgrounds and their genetic roots are from all over the world. Do you want to name some of the countries? Um, Besides South Africa, we've got them from the UK. We've got them from Australia. Last month, I was with four donors in the country of Cyprus where they were donating. One was from Finland, one was from the US, one was from the UK and South Africa, as I mentioned. We also have them from the Caribbean, from all over Africa. Um, I mean, the list of Poland, Russia, Ukraine, the country of Georgia is a phenomenal hotspot these days. Really? Oh, we had one donor from Iceland seven years ago, and now we have 18 donors in Iceland wow. because of that one. Okay. But we don't have very many American donors, uh, and that may seem odd to you, but the reason is, is in America, there is absolutely no cap on what a donor can earn. And so do- donations here in America have become a real commodity. And right. so donors are charging outrageous amounts. And I just don't believe in that. It's supposed to be a donation. And I think the 1500 or $2,000 our donors receive, plus their trip, is plenty. I mean, that's fantastic for someone in their 20s that wants to get out and see the world and go home with at least as much as they probably would have made that week if they were home working or some spending money in the country that they're in. Sure. So so we don't have a lot of American donors that come forth to That's do it for, okay. for the, quote, low rates we pay. Well, let's just talk about, before I let you go, how it all works. There's a great video on your website. I will put details of Robin's website on the show notes. But as far as an intended parent is concerned the process that they go through let's give the example if we're talking about a gay couple um and there's obviously a few more elements that need to be found but they're coming to you as a starting point or would they have to find a surrogate first or would you help with that process it's all i can help with it it's always good to start with the egg donor Mm. um because you can get the embryos made and frozen and then find your surrogate. In fact, a lot of clinics won't move forward with forward with you and provide a surrogate until you have those embryos in hand, because that can take some time to get those embryos made. Um, so usually they'll come, they'll choose a donor, and then we talk about the countries where surrogacy is allowed and where they can uh, return to mm. return home easily with that child. Um, and then usually that they decide which one is going to be the dad or they each want to be a dad, believe it or not, and fertilize some of the eggs and two embryos are put in that surrogate. I mean, it goes on and on, all the different combinations you can have your family. Which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. What about if there are single gay men and single straight men? Have you have you worked with either? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a very similar process. So as far as a single man coming to you and a single woman coming to you, they're treated exactly the same? Absolutely. Great. There's and no is that, difference. And, and your, your treatment is going to be the same. Do you find that the clinic's treatment is the same? Because I've just heard stories of, of 
more so with single gay men, um, maybe kind of coming up against some red tape along the way? It depends on what country you're going to. Not yeah. every country is allowed to treat gays like the country of Georgia. And there's a few others. You just have to choose carefully, and I can help advise couples on that and single people. But um, that the hard part for single men is they are treated as a gay person, even if they aren't. And sometimes they will uh, have a female partner sign a document that says that they are a partner, but that is their name is never on a birth certificate. So there are certain ways around it if you really want to have your birth in one of these countries that... Um, wants to see a couple mm. does that make again, sense yeah and yeah. that's conversation just that as a people... partner yeah yeah it's kind of the co-parenting but not co-parenting but it's just that need for there to be two people involved right no it's for the clinic clinic to comply legally with the laws of their country okay. they will know very well that that is a single person but if he provides a woman's name on a signed document saying she is his partner that's the only place that ever shows up and she doesn't even show up at the clinic. Just finally, before I let you go, considering that this podcast is listened to in 50 countries around the world and you obviously cover a lot of territories, is there a country that you would love a donor from that if by chance they're listening to this podcast from that country that you'd like to use this opportunity to say, hello, come, let's talk? I'm glad you asked that question <laughs> because there is a huge demand or need for Chinese egg donors, Chinese and Japanese. In fact, all Asian, but on the top of the list is Chinese and Japanese. They're just flooding into just about every fertility clinic I know of is asking for Asian donors. Because, you know, they lifted the one-child ban, yeah, and now they've exactly. lifted the two-child ban. So um, if there's any Chinese Asian donors of any type, please contact Global Egg Donors. Great stuff. Well, Robin, it's been lovely chatting to you and we will put all your details on the show notes. And Rachel, lovely to hear from you too. And just, I think it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing. And I I hope that you have a, a great experience as a donor and hopefully as a parent in your own right as well. And um, and I think it's great yes. that you keep in touch with all the people that you help. So uh, yes. thank on you. you, Natalie. And enjoy the rest of your stay. How long are you staying for? For another week, then we're flying back. Well, enjoy your stay. Robin, thank you thank again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Robin and Rachel. The show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash global egg donors. Do go have a look, check it out. I've also put a link to the episode I mentioned that I shared with you at the end of 2018 about my personal place and my implications counselling. And I mentioned at the start that I've got another episode coming out this week on Wednesday with our Truy. So keep your ears open for that. It'll just pop into your feed. And if you're listening to this via a website and you've not subscribed via your favourite podcast app, what are you waiting for? Thanks as always for your support. And until the next time, 